When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media, Gig Bomb and Smithy Marie. From the Knapsack File Studios in Hollywood, California, and on the road in Las Vegas, Nevada, this is The Night is Dark, The Wars to Come, with your hosts, Maud Garrett, Tiffany Smith, and Ken Knapsack. <laughs> Hello! <laughs> Welcome to The Night is Dark podcast, a podcast dedicated to Game of Thrones, especially Season 5, which has just begun. <gasps> What's up, guys? My name is Maud Garrett. And I'm Tiffany Smith. We just finished watching the first episode! Certainly did. And joining us remotely from Vegas, Mr. Ken Napsok. That's right, from the Gold Coast Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'm Ken Napsok. And with the power of technology, you are in with us, joining for us for The Night is Dark in our podcast. Guys, if you want to check this out, make sure you're following Geek Bomb on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash geekbombshells, and make sure you're following Tiffany Smith's lovely YouTube page as well, which is youtube.com forward slash Tiffany M. Smith. Mm -hmm. And if you want the audio version of this podcast, be following The Knapsack Files. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, and that other thing which Ken will mention now. It's Podomatic, which you yeah, can sure, uh, find sure. uh, the, the show there. Thanks to your guys' viewership of the first episode, I'm actually the number two comedy podcast in all of Podomatic. Uh, so I'm going to put that on my resume in hopes that I get a good job waiting tables. We were so funny on that first episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we're back at it again. You may notice that things look a little bit different. We are not using Google Hangout anymore. Apparently it was a little bit touch and go there. So with the uh, massive thanks to David Fickus and the team at I See the Frog, we are we have a multiple camera setup and we're yeah. able to use Skype with this. So guys, make sure you follow them on Twitter at I See the Frog. They pretty much collate all the funniest stuff on the internet for you. So give that a like and check out their website, ICTheFrog.com too. And there's also candles here, mm. you know, because we're all Lord of Lighty up in this business. Yes. It's very Melisandre's <laughs> cabin over there. The can uh, thank left you. Out. The candles are red too. Mm. Now we're about to get to the question out of the way. Is everyone here a virgin? Oh, because apparently that is important in this particular episode. Shall we get stuck into our recap and review? Let's do it. Absolutely. Alrighty, um, let's just. I think we should talk about the elephant in the room. Uh, that is, someone at Game of Thrones or HBO kind of slipped up a bit. And the first four episodes of Game of Thrones has been leaked. They are available yeah. through torrents and uh, services of the likes, which no one, none of us have, <laughs> have done because that's um, not a good thing to do. That is against the law. So it's probably not good to point fingers at someone <laughs> and possibly get them into a lot of trouble. I'm going to name you as the culprit. Um, but, yeah, I think that's going to uh, throw a lot of people off. Four episodes are out. Guys, have you watched them? Well, actually, no, we're not going to go there. Why do you think this has happened? And what have you heard so far? Because, obviously, if someone's just binged watched four episodes, uh, they could spoil everything yeah. for us, the diehard fans. More about, like, for me, I saw the tweets today. People were sending messages in being like, the first four episodes are up. My initial reaction was... 
I don't want to see them. I want to watch them as they were meant to come out. I want to follow along with all the fans as we do when we watch the shows and get to talk about them afterwards. But then I'm getting tweets where people are like, I watched all four. And I'm like, don't, first of all, don't tweet anything to me directly about it because I haven't watched them. Uh, but Ken, how did you feel when you heard about that today? I, I avoid any kind of leaks along the way, um, whether it's criminal or not. Uh, I just I just don't like to uh, get what is not meant for me. The producers might change some things. Who knows if it's the final cut, um, special effects fixed. I don't know. In this case, it might be that everything is there and the episodes yeah. are good to go. I just I just avoid it. Don't want to watch this it. This just I, in. I love Apparently the um the episode was pretty true on. Yeah. You just weren't able to have the previously on or next week you'll see. Well, I assume that the because generally they're reliable they're source, so far me. out filming <laughs> that those four episodes are probably solid. Those are the final what we would be getting to see. Um yeah. but I just I don't know if it's something where it's like do you think that there's a chance that someone at HBO was like, "Let's see if this whole like Netflix putting out every single episode at once" works for us as well because it's like daredevil just came out everyone binge watched a full season would you actually watch a full season you would yes i i I wouldn't drink i wouldn't sleep i wouldn't i'd maybe take a bath the thing with game of thrones for me and this is why mod and i were totally nerding out as we watched this episode because both of us take quite a few notes as we watch the show so for me i'm like yeah ken too (laughs) I have four A4 pages of notes. But as I'm watching, I'm like, I kind of, sometimes I watch each episode two times. I'll watch it, take some notes, and then watch again and just enjoy it. Yeah. Um. So I think if it were an entire season that came out for me, I would, it would be overload. It would be too much. That's true. Yeah, I, I understand too what you're Too much info at once. I cannot be patient with this kind of thing. <laughs> I cannot have someone else have, like, everyone's got access to it and go, no. No, yeah. I will not watch every se- I will cancel my week to watch them all. Yeah. But maybe that's just me. So let's get uh, stuck into this particular episode, The Wars to Come, episode one, season five. Mm-hmm. Now, something that a lot of people, if you haven't read the books, and we're not spoiling anything with that, but if you haven't read the books, it may be a little bit hard to figure out what's going on. For example, the witch that they meet um, in the lands of King's Landing, you know, those that particular area where you see a young Cersei for the first time, she uh, goes to this witch to get her fortune told, mm-hmm. her future mapped out. Now, Ken, you can help me with this. It's Miss F- Ms. Froggy? Maggie the Frog. Maggie the, the Frog. Witch. Maggie the Frog. Uh, the, the character with Cersei is one of two characters they didn't make it clear in the credits. I was looking it up. It's either Malara Heatherspoon or Jane Farman. Uh, Malara was supposed to marry Jamie Lannister, and that's part of what we didn't see is, is Maggie telling her, uh, you're not going to marry him, and Malara dies the next day. They've clearly cut that out. It doesn't factor into the story, but it's part of factors great into Cersei, who she is. Now, this isn't the first time we haven't had, like, I mean, sorry, this isn't the first time we've had a fortune being explained. Mm-hmm. Like, we know that when Daenerys went into a particular area, what was it called, in Astapor, she went through the House of Death, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, when she went House to see, when, when we talked about Drogo coming back. Yeah, the House uh, of the Undying. Am I making that up? House of the Undying? Gosh, guys. This House is a of the disaster. Undying. Yeah. House of the Undying. I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what it is. This is the when man she that, saw Drogo again. This is the man, yeah, the, who had the blackened mouth. And yeah. they pretty much tricked her into it. And she had, um, you know, particular parts of her future explained to her. Like, basically, three people will betray you. One for love, one yeah. for money, and one for something else that someone will tell yeah. me. Uh, so this, That drink is called the Shade of the Evening. And it's a very high-powered, fun elixir. 
kind of like my Miller Lite. <laughs> well, and she, she went into this to talk to this witch, and it was like, <gasps> you get three questions. Yeah. And it was funny because this young actress definitely has Cersei down because it's like the sneering sideways look yeah. and just like that she has no patience. There was a moment where it's like you watch old stuff or you read like old fairy tales where it's like you get three questions for the genie but you better think them out and yeah, she's yeah. like she just immediately burns through her first When will questions. we marry but will I be queen and yeah. will the king and I have children yeah. and this uh, Maggie the frog is so kind of like sweetheart you do not want to know about your future trust yeah. me and then does and the answers are you will never wed Prince Rhaegar. Now, this is the prince that she's talking about for the people that didn't read the books. She was supposed to marry Prince Rhaegar um, during the time where Tywin Lannister was mm-hmm. helping out um, the Targaryens. Targaryen. Yep. Yep. And had promised Cersei to her and told Cersei, mm-hmm. you will be marrying Prince Rhaegar. This is going to happen. And then they went to this tawny and Cersei you know, was falling in love with Rhaegar and was like, oh, I can't wait to be uh, his, his princess. Yep. His, you know, I'm going to marry this man. And then Tywin goes, you know what, not not happening. And basically it was um, the Targaryen saying, you are my slave, why would I marry my son to a slave's daughter? Yeah. You know, so that didn't happen. So no, you will not marry Prince Rhaegar. Yes, you'll be queen for a time. And then someone younger will come in. Someone younger, more beautiful will cast you down. So mm-hmm. that's what Cersei's – this is what's going through her head now that her father's died, now that she doesn't have Jamie on her side to do his uh, her bidding. She kind of feels so isolated and alone. Yeah. Lost her son Joffrey. She's not queen anymore. Only sees Tommen and that's his, her only hope to be the regent and just seeing Marjorie completely playing everyone. Yeah. So that's where we're at now. It's so good. I mean, I think that – when you see Marjorie interacting with Tommen in this episode as well, that it's smirk. Like, she's got a better smirk than freaking it's Cersei. It's literally it's Cer- it's Cersei two point Yeah, like, but younger and more beautiful. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Ken, how are you feeling about her? Do, are you that much more into her? Are you still on Team Cersei? Uh, well, I, I love Cersei. Uh, I love that opening scene. Um, uh, though they they've uh, are not addressing the Valonqar, which is the uh, part of the prophecy of a little brother who will kill her. Um, I, I love uh, th- that scene. It to me explains what's driven Cersei since she was ten years old. Absolutely, you can start to see that character's uh, the, the the spear of what the, who that character is. Uh, it starts young. Yeah. Uh, we also kind of realise that Cersei's donned in black. She's mourning the loss of her father, Tywin Lannister, and over his dead body, decides to blame Jaime for everything that's happened. Which here, I, as we were watching it here together, I was like, are we about to get another super awkward scene over a funeral <laughs> with these ancestral sister and brother kind of thing? But we didn't. It's um, actually the, the complete opposite. These yeah. guys are done. They, they used to be the closest in the world. They loved each other and they only wanted to be with each other. But when Jaime was held captive and lost his hand and came back a year later, she looked at him and was like, you're not my brother anymore, and everything changed. Well, and I think this moment, too, it was, as we were watching it as well, I was like, how does everyone, everyone knows for sure that it was Tyrion. Everyone knows, there's no question about it, where, as with Joffrey, there was questioning, there had to be the trial. In this case, it's like, everyone knows that it was Tyrion. And I think that was the final nail in the coffin for the two of them. Yeah, they had the betrayed by the brother but she's like yes my brother you know Tyrion's a monster that we know that we get but you were the one that helped the monster do this look at your dead father who loved you the most yet you let him die by accident which was the best part that she's like at least Tyrion which I was like oh god and she's like taking his manhood as she says this where she was like Tyrion at least 
did what he wanted to do. He had a mission and he, he killed our father. Purpose. You accidentally let him go and killed our father. Yeah. Yeah, a little blame I, throwing. I, I, that, that scene, once again, seriously, she has such a way to just cut people at, at and really just punch them in the soul. You got to wonder what, <laughs> what Jamie's going to do from this point on. Is he going to break away or is he now out to prove Cersei wrong or make it up to her some way? I thought that was a good uh, open-ended question yeah. they posed. We have to top. understand that Cersei's only weapon is her words. Like, that's all she's got. And yeah. you read in the book time and time again, she's like, people wouldn't talk to me this way if I was a man. People wouldn't, you know, disrespect me or challenge me. My father, my brother, no one questions them. No one treats them with any kind mm-hmm. of ill respect. Yet I'm getting trodden on because I'm a woman. And I thought that was a really kind of... Uh, good point and she's she's only got that crippling almost you know paralyzing tongue of hers yeah. to kind of just de- destroy people with her words well and it's interesting because you start to see obviously you know danny doing her thing and ruling in her queenly way and so mm. it's interesting because looking at cersei and saying okay if she were if it were a different time would she have been treated differently would she have been able to be a ruler as a woman in the family as a daughter of the lannisters in the future, maybe, but not right now. No one's Unless seen that you're yet. in Dawn, because yeah. in Dawn, women can rule, and the people of Dawn. Is this a spoiler if I say this, Ken? Um, uh, no. I don't know. I don't know. Plug your ears if you think it might be. Well, Joffrey's dead. Tommen's ruling. Where's the older sister? Well, no, we know that because she's in Dawn. If you at the end of last season, they talked about that, and then on the Coming up next on Game of Thrones, they did yes. al- they alluded to that as well. Yes. So um, if in Dawn women can rule, then they will elect her to be queen, and then it's like, all right, well, King's Landing, your your you know your daughter is mm-hmm. the right heir to the throne. Will you accept her, or will you have Tommen? So they're going to cause a war between the two. <laughs> um, if, if I was Dawn, I'd want to put Marcella on the Iron Throne. Yeah. That would be my plan. They have her. She's a big tool, big, big, big weapon for them. Absolutely, absolutely. And just speaking of going to Dorne and getting to see some new areas, um, we see Tyrion getting out of the crate, which I think is one of the best little openings ever and so true to his character, where he gets out, the first thing he does is go for the alcohol. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that I don't know where he's coming from. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, landed in Pentos, and um, Varys has completely kept to his word. He is risking everything, especially his life, to transport Tyrion onwards. Now he's got an uh, he's got an agenda, and this mm-hmm. is what I love. He's risking his life. He's risking everything because he believes that Tyrion can be a key to the future of the Seven Kingdoms. This is what he truly believes, and he is planning three steps ahead right now, and needs to convince Tyrion that he actually is man enough to make a difference, yeah. whereas Tyrion's just neck deep in a, any bottle of whatever. Well, and I, as I was watching again, I just remembered when you go back to the first season, he's the one who goes to talk to Ned Stark. Yep. He's the one who is actually orchestrating a lot of stuff, and quietly, where, you know, for whatever reason, though he is someone who's constantly involved, and I don't know if it's because, like, he's a eunuch and people kind of underestimate him and he's got the guy in the box. And then you get to this part and he talks about the fact that there is this group that has been instigating the um, Targaryen restoration. Yep. And so you see that moment happen. And for whatever reason, for me, I was like, yeah, he's risking his life. But guess what? He's been doing that the entire time. And this is almost the first time 
that he's not in the thick of it. Mm-hmm. Where it's like he's out somewhere where he's a little bit safer. He can really reveal more of his cards to Tyrion and see where Tyrion falls. So, Ken, your opinion on this, this means that Varys has been working for the Targaryens the entire time. We do know he switched it over again and Jorah Mamont was working for Robert Baratheon. Mm-hmm. So that means that these spies and spiders and ears and little birdies that are everywhere around, that Varys has always been working for the Targaryens from day one. Absolutely. Flashback to season one when Arya is chasing the cats and goes down deep into the Red Keep where the dragon skulls are. That is Varys and Ilario talking. Yeah. Uh, and, and that is a, that this this has been their plan all along. Stuff is still yet to unfold. And you have to wonder how much did Varys account for, you know, certain characters dying or certain plans going awry. He always seems to be one step ahead of what might be a problem. Mm-hmm. I love this scene. I love to... The flashback to season two of just those two characters talking and their mutual kind of respect, uh, as as tenuous as it can be at times. I love mm-hmm. seeing those those two actors kind of go at it again. It kind of makes me excited for this this version of the story. And it's again, you know, you all, this show for me is always about people changing positions of power mm-hmm. and seeing Varys and how he's interacting with Tyrion. I think it was again a moment where you realize he is really someone who is in an incredible power position. He's been the one who's been working in the background and Tyrion's like, I don't know if I even want to be in power anymore. I killed my dad on the pooper. Yeah. <laughs> That's a direct I, quote. Make some t-shirts, guys. Exactly. On the pooper. The game of poopers. Mm. Um, I like pooper to talk troopers. about poop. It happens. <laughs> yeah. So he's in this position where it's like, I don't even know if I want to be in power anymore. I don't think I'm someone who can be in power. And Varys is like, listen, you can be born into it or people can do things to gain power. And I see that in you, which was interesting because you're like, that's the last person you would think would be giving Tyrion a pep talk. But throughout, if whether you've read the books or watched the whole series, it just regardless, like this guy, is he has the perfect balance of doing what's right and doing it with compassion mm-hmm. and doing what needs to be done. So, you know, you've got all these other rulers. Stannis is way too hard in his ruling. Yep. You had uh, Joffrey. Hey, who just went, there. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I know you love Stannis, but it's true. He's not going to. He's not the best man for the job. Tommen's too soft. Joffrey was too psychotic. Uh, Daenerys, we have no idea where she's going, but she's probably the best person for the role, especially in Varys's eyes. And he thinks the person that would be best suited to help her rule is Tyrion. Like, oh, what? Yeah. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, Tyrion proved he can do it, and Varys was firsthand. And Varys told him, you know, others will forget, but I will always remember what you did for the realm. Yeah. Uh, moving into the next scene, we notice that the harpy is being ripped down off the top of the period in Marine. This means that uh, well and truly asked <laughs> Off the top of the what? Pyramid. <laughs> you said the period. Oh. <laughs> I thought the that too. I thought it was just the connection he conveyed. No, no, I think she might have said. The pyramid. <laughs> yes, the harpy is being pulled off of the pyramid. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Lots of candles. <laughs> um, and so we get to see the Unsullied again. We're yep. seeing what has been happening with Danny and her ruling situation. And we talked about this on the last episode when we were just like kind of leading up to everything. Where, you know, she's the breaker of chains, but she chained up those dragons. And I'm like, dude, Mm. you think they're going to be happy to see you? It's like you grounded your kids and Mm. you left them in there by themselves. They're going to be pissed off. The first thing that happened in Marine, speaking of uh, first bloods, uh, we saw uh, that happen with um, 
old white rat who got his throat slit when he was visiting the brothel. Mm-hmm. Can we just talk about how like the, the burning question that we've all had? How the hell does an unsullied feel satisfied? You go to a brothel for what? A nub rub? Snuggled and... I can tell you exactly that scene reminded me of Charlie Bowdry in Young Guns paying a prostitute just to hug him. It, it is a guy who just wanted the, 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 to be touched, to be feel some compassion, to feel that. That's what that's the. And I, then I thought we were going to see some nub, but instead I realized, oh, he's just Charlie Bowdry from Young Guns. <laughs> they just want to be snuggled and hummed to. So the last thing that you would expect is a knife to be reaching around his throat and to cut his throat completely open, and it is the return of the woman with the gold mask. Now, last episode that we had, our very first episode together of The Night is Dark, we brought her up. She is coming here. We do not know who her identity, if it even is a woman, we don't know who her identity is. No, that's a harpy. That was the Sons of the Harpy. Yeah, so it's not the same that's thing. It's not the one with the face covered. The face covered one Wait, was totally I different. They're the same from Astapor. Mm-mm. This not is totally different. So basically, also guys, and we didn't say this at the beginning of the episode. I'm sorry that we didn't. Obviously, this show is spoiler heavy. So if you've not watched tonight's episode, <laughs> we oh, will yeah. talk about people's throats getting slit and who characters are coming this up. It's a out digestion of, of the episode. Exactly. Um, so this one is Sons of the Harpy, which you talked about the harpy being pulled off the pyramid. There are still people in the city that feel that Danny should not be ruling and they're fighting against her. So that is who is making me One horny nub at a time. Exactly. <laughs> they don't want the unsullied to be satisfied in any way. Yeah. Um, so that's who killed um, White Rat. Mm-hmm. And then having to reveal this to Danny and explain what's going on, she obviously wants to support them as much as she can. And, you know, that's where we get into, finally we get to see Grey Worm back again, which yeah, I was excited do. about that. And Miss Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's obviously chemistry between these two, Ken. Well, absolutely. When Miss Sande goes up and says, hey, I'm hearing some of your friends are going going to see the ladies. Yep. What's that about? Do you want to see the ladies? Like, uh, you know, got some connection there. I was like, does she think that maybe, they, maybe they're saying they're yeah, castrated, I think, but I, they're not? No, the Unsullied are definitely, they've lost all their, their members and their tackle and bait. They cannot cast a line. Yeah. They cannot cast a line, which is why this guy got his head stroked with a lullaby. There ain't nothing happening downstairs. Yeah. But there's obvious chemistry Absolutely. and attraction between Missandei and Grey Worm. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, this guy's going to the brothel, even though he can't get his jollies off. Uh, I hear that others are going. Mm-hmm. I hear, I hear, I hear. Rumors are spreading. Are you one of them is the subtext that's yeah. just going out there. And he just denies it flatly going, I don't know. And just kind of talking about her as a character, because if you've seen Furious 7, you know that she's in that movie. And it is crazy. I mean, she I saw Furious 7, couldn't place who she was, and then you see her on this show and you're like, she's she's great. She's beautiful. She's, she's an incredible beautiful. actress. And it's two completely different roles. And it was funny, because I, I think I maybe said this in the last one, but where I was like, uh, when you walked on the set of Furious 7, did you feel like, I can totally take this green screen stuff, you know, because you did Game of Thrones and it's so epic. And she's like... I've acted with dragons. I thought I could take it. She's like, but I get on set and there are explosions. And I'm like, no, this is way crazier. Yeah, right. I didn't know that. I haven't seen Fast uh, Furious 7 yet. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, something's going down in the brothels over there. But, like, it, I I like the Missandei and Grey Worm love story. The fact that he played dumb, though, what's he hiding? Not the fact that he's got bits and pieces. That's yeah, no, I think, it, I think for him it's more about the fact that he is one of the 
more honorable of the Unsullied. And so you don't even discuss that. He had that. a tits perv. He was Mr. Tits Pervert. What? In last season. She was bathing and he was like, a zing. He just peeped a little bit. Oh. He peeped. <laughs> he peeped. He peeped a little. He no, panted. Only, he <laughs> drank that in like a fine wine. Yeah. Got it later. That's true. Well, I mean, maybe some of them aren't. There aren't. was a phantom sound. Aww. Aww too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Moving on in the episode, let's hit up Castle Black. Yes, the wall is back. Yeah. Uh, when we last left them, the Wildlings, um, Mance Rider, pretty much was caused into defeat because Stannis came out of nowhere and was like, I'll save the day. <laughs> yeah. Only if you're in Castle Black. Um, but of course, uh, Mance Rider will not bow. He will not take the, the knee. Um, but turns out Stannis also wants an army. He wants the wildlings to fight on his side so he can take the wall and the north back. Sorry. The north. Hmm. What's it called? Wester- Westeros. No. What? Winterfell. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> and he's using Jon Snow to help it happen because obviously Winterfell was his home and he's like, it's no more. I want to put Roose Bolton's head on a spike. Raise your hands if you'd like to see that. Yep. I'm in. So I also... Go ahead. So he just needs Mance to, um, you know, basically... Yeah, show support, and so he can have control of the wildlings. I also just like that you get to see that... Go, Ken. No, go ahead. Again, Stannis is doing what is right. I just want you to acknowledge He's not doing what's right. He's doing what Melisandre is telling him to do. Melisandre. He's doing what she tells him to do. He has no control. He's like, cool, go ahead. You light the fire. You do the little endy speech, because I'm just going to stand here and let you do everything. That's how I feel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the I think the bigger part of that entire sequence is the fact that how we see how we first see John again. John's training the kid who shot his love. Yeah. He's training the kid who shot Egret and Egret shot him as well, like three well, times. But still, but you're seeing the fact and that Egret it's like killed that kid's father, so you know. But I'm just saying that even though see even all that happened, John is still the most honorable, loyal, sweet kind everything well, why don't you just get a room with him then you know i mean i'm not gonna say i wouldn't snowed <laughs> <laughs> in town with john snow there tiff no you know something john i would snow. i would hold him and hum to him and just stroke his hair <laughs> uh hashtag nub rub <laughs> Oh dear, not again. I keep saying oh. things that are going to be a hashtag. Yep. Um, but also, um, you know, Melisandre, we see her again. Does anyone else's, like, bones turn to ice when you see her? She's so creepy. Yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, I mean, literally, where I was talking about Stannis, and I'm like, she is the one who's completely in control. Stannis, I don't know if he knows that, and there's certain moments where she's like, sure, you go ahead, you go talk to that Jon Snow guy and see if you can get Mance to bend the knee oh you can't cool the whole plan for me the whole time was to burn him anyway i i think i think stannis has a little more control but i do agree that um i do agree that she has kind of the upper upper edge on their partnership she's already kind of cheating behind his back going for john but i don't think she was going for john there's that i mean obviously i got tweets of people saying that are you a virgin what's that about and we mentioned at the beginning of the episode but I I think that has more to do with the Lord of Light because we talked about the fact that she has sex with um not Ramsey uh, Gendry. with Gendry yeah and he was a virgin right he was uh, I don't think he was I think he was 
you hang around flea bottom banging things uh you know when you're a smithy i'm sure some young lady came around looking for him okay i thought that he was because i like remember something about him and the virginity thing when she has sex with him and the leeches and whatever um but so i was wondering if that's something where it's if they're a virgin and they have king's blood in them or royal blood in them that it's something that the lord of light has to have a piece of i don't know literally a piece of piece of because she says good yeah she's happy is that yeah. good i don't have to jump on and have a ride or is that good the more defiled you are yeah you the know the red woman has her needs too she likes a good bath maybe she wants a roll in the hay with john snow we, we you know we're assuming big things maybe she just wants to go on a proper date down to molestown let's i don't think she wants it i don't think anything she does doesn't have an ulterior motive let's also talk about the uh the elephant in the room with Jon Snow. Why is she so interested in the bastard of Ned Stark, who was never a king? Oh, that's right, because maybe uh-huh. Ned's not Jon's father. Maybe yeah. Jon Snow has royal blood in his body. Maybe because his father was actually a king. I maybe. believe that's absolutely it. Maybe his mother was a queen. We don't know. Yeah, I don't think his mother was, but you don't think his mother was Jon Snow's mother? Yeah, no, no, I don't believe. But why believe. would why would I think in in certain situations it's like a mother who has a bastard son would be kept more secret, or would she have been able to keep him? All right, let's just do it. Spoiler: We are about to talk about who we think Jon Snow's mother and father is. Ready? Don't say anything that you know from the books, though. No, I don't know. No one knows. Okay. There's no, but there's nothing confirmed, Tiffany. There's nothing confirmed nothing. from the just books. Just saying. Just R saying. R just putting it out R there. R plus L equals J. R plus L equals J. I think that is that is established early on, um, and that is who Jon's parents are. So Ned is not the father of Jon Snow. But his no. sister is the mother. So his sister, who was supposed to be wed to um, Robert Baratheon mm-hmm. and just mysteriously died, so lives down in the crypts. That's <laughs> she lives down in the crypts. You know, she's got a statue <laughs> down there. That's how. That's like the only her time her tomb really is in the crypts. Yeah, that's the only time we've seen her. Yep. Um, but yeah, so Ned, it's it's Jon Snow is his um, nephew. So it's his yeah. sister that's Jon's mother, and the father is the mad the Mad King, right? Targaryen. No, no, his father's Rhaegar Targaryen. Rhaegar, um, who was supposed to get married and, to um, yeah. Cersei. Yeah, who, fell, who, you know, again, and for this is clearly, this is not spoiler territory. This is a theory because it's never been confirmed. Yeah. Um, but yes, absolutely, that is why Ned and Howland Reed and three other people had to go to the, the tower to save uh, Lyanna, and that's where she said her famous words, promise me, Ned. So that is what I believe and what most people... Uh, do believe that that is who his parents are, making him uh, Danny's um, half- uh, nephew. Oh, I was like half sibling, no nephew. Hmm. Which means he's got the dragon's blood in his body. Yeah, dragon's blood. Yeah. Um, I just find it interesting the fact that he has just become so honorable as it Sorry. goes on and on, and you're like, is it because? He doesn't know that he has king's blood in him because everyone else who knows that they're of royal blood, something makes them go cuckoo town. Yeah. And he has not. Stannis feels that he's the oldest brother. He should have the right to the Mm -hmm. throne. The Targaryens were the original rulers. Therefore, Daenerys feels that she should should be on the throne. Everyone's fighting. I mean, it's called the Game of Thrones. Yeah. This is a game in effect happening. And Jon is an unsuspecting player, perhaps. Uh, 
Yeah. Well, and it's, you know, you see him with the interactor, interaction with Mance, and you see all the other characters, how they interact with the politics of Westeros and trying to get people to do what they need them to do or want them to do. Mm-hmm. And you know they all have ulterior motives. With John, it's like he goes to talk to him. The ulterior motive is that he cares about this man and has a respect for him and doesn't want the wildlings to be destroyed or killed or unsafe. So he explains everything. He's totally upfront about it. And I'm like, that is what you want in a ruler. That is what you want in someone where it's like, okay, I'm going to tell you all of these things. Yes, it looks like you're going to have to let your pride go a little bit and bow the knee. But guess what? You're going to save everybody else. Yeah, the greater good, in effect. Yeah. But Mance Raider will not bend the knee. And he says, if you have to ask why, you do not deserve to know. And I think that the um, overall message is a pretty powerful one where it was just like, you know, you're making the biggest mistake. And he goes, the freedom to make my own mistakes was all I ever wanted. So, yeah, that's uh, more and more later on in the episode. But you're right, Jon Snow's got a heart in the right place and could be a worthy ruler. Mm-hmm. Then we head to the Vale and we realise that uh, little Lord Robin of the Vale is the most pathetic God. sack of shit we've ever seen. <laughs> we just discovered that? I He's, mean... He was sucking on his mama's titties since he was like, eight, like till he was eight. It was kind of the perf again, a perfect reintroduction to this character where you're like, uh, where has uh, he been? Uh, oh God. <laughs> he's like flopping the sword around and the shield he's and he's just like up. flailing. It was, it was terrible. There's sound effects going on in the background. I thought Sam Tarly was bad with the sword, but then little Lord Aaron, uh, I mean, Robin of Aaron, what is it? Robin of the Vale. Yeah. Robin, Robin Aaron of the Vale, yeah, and, and Lord Royce had some great line. It was a pretty funny scene uh, with that guy. Yep, and that's the first time we see Sansa back again. Yeah, um, and just how with dark she's hairdo. become. What new with hairdo. her new hairdo? Yeah, with her new hairdo, how she's just completely. She looks so much more like Melisandre now, and her mom. Yeah, um, everything about her is so much darker. And they go through that little moment in the carriage where. She all of a sudden has become this person who it's like, you don't trust this person? Well, guess what? I don't trust this person or this person. You don't trust them or this person. And she's learning she's how to play the game. Get, exactly. Yep. She's finally getting it. And it's interesting because I'm like, she gets it enough, but she's still sharing it with him, which that to me, I was because like. she's only got him. Yeah. He saved her. She owes him everything and he's not only teaching her you know how to be safe and bringing her a new identity of elaine and a new hair color etc to go along with it um but he's also going you are my daughter you are my bastard daughter therefore you have to do as i say and i will keep you close yeah uh, and i will protect you yeah he's got a hard on for her that much is obvious but he's also trying to save her because she is the only person left that they know of from winterfell um i do think it's interesting sansa was always like Oh, everything's great. Everything's fantastic. I'm getting beaten up at night, but I won't say it. Everything's yeah. great. You know, Joffrey is the most evil person in the world, but I won't say it. And now she's like, oh, I get it. You know, the the, the veil's been lifted, pun intended, from her nah. eyes. And now um, Peter Baelish, little finger, is just like, I'm playing the Game of Thrones and I'm kicking yeah. ass at it. Here, let me help you out because you are now my daughter, Elaine. So those two are great together, I feel. And it was... Yeah, this- Go. It's it's great to see Sansa, her, the growth of this character, going back to the 13-year-old girl standing sheepishly and scared in front of the queen to now she's a power player. And what I love is I, I 
know where this character's going, how powerful she'll end up being. She could be better than Baelish. She's learning yeah. from the best. There's a, this character, which was always one of my least favorite or least interesting characters, though I, I loved uh, Sophie Turner's performance as her from, from day one. Now this character, potential with her she's got this dark edge now and i like it well and didn't i mean we talked about this again last episode but saying that this is this season is really diverging from the books a lot a lot of the stuff that's going to happen this season has not happened in the book and did george rr say he's writing separate sansa chapters now did i make that up or did that stuff Uh, come out like i want to say last week or something they talked about it was posted that well, he they, was working he, on separate really Sansa chapters. After from Wind of Winter, uh, that yeah. was from her perspective. I don't know if it was an extra one or not. I, I actually didn't pay attention to that because I didn't want to read it. it was, <laughs> I thought it would be spoilers for season five. I didn't want to take that chance. Yeah. Hey, guys, if you are watching this uh, right now live, use that hashtag, yeah. the night is dark, or tweet either Ken Knapsock, at Ken Knapsock, me, myself, uh, at Maud Garrett, or Tiffany, at Tiffany's Tweets. In with your questions, your Game of Thrones questions that you'd like us to either talk about, discuss, or point blank ignore because they are spoilers <laughs> and that's rude. We also are on live stream tonight, and there's a chat box function. So if you've got a live stream account, you can chat along. Ken, you've got access to the chats. What's people saying in there? Um, there's a, well, uh, there's a, a good mix of people who have never read the books, people who have read them four times. Looks like Rachel's on there. I know she's read it about four times. Hey, uh, it's a good side conversation. You guys are keeping it good. Uh, and uh, I, I love seeing people who are just who are just here from the show, from the TV show. Yeah. Uh, and I don't want to spoil anything, anything for those uh, folks. But uh, I, I, it's refreshing to me that there's this big fandom, uh, big universe that can uh, appreciate all sides of the source material. And I, I know you love her with a love that can only be explained by you, but Cersei, I want to just talk a little bit about, again, the scenes at the funeral where um, she, oh, yes, yep, um, but where she's with her cousin, you know, when oh, Cersei was with her cousin and he yeah. comes back in and you're like, I literally, I was like, this is going to be the first death of the episode. This is going to be the first death of the, death of the season where um, she just is chatting with him and he's explaining everything about Baratheon. So a little bit of a recap. You might, If you'd watched HBO, you'd notice that it said previously on Game of Thrones and Lancel's there with his long mop of hair who yep. used to squire for Robert Baratheon. And also used to sleep with his cousin. Yes, so Cersei would seduce him, his little, uh, her little, little young cousin with her body to say, hey, do thy bidding and you get to jump on this. So what did he do? He made sure that Robert Baratheon was so drunk when he went out um, killing this boar that he pretty much came back with a mortal wound and died. Well, Lancel has now found the seven gods. He's become what's known as a sparrow, which is getting talked about a lot in the books, um, this particular book. Um, And he basically wants to cleanse his soul and asks for forgiveness from Cersei. And by doing so, you're right, completely recognises and confesses all the bad shit that he did. Out loud. And I'm like, she says, I don't know what you're talking about. And that, for me... Run. You see Cersei becoming this woman who it's almost like her power has gone away, especially juxtaposed next to Sansa in the position that she's in where she's gaining power. Um, it was just interesting to me because I was like, who is Cersei becoming? And Desperate. it just really is kind of one of those moments where you're like, Sansa is really going to be the one to watch, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, and you're right about Cersei. She is, uh, unfortunately, my lady is going to the way of the paranoid, desperate ruler trying to hold on to power. 
Um, and yeah, Lance will be coming as Sparrow. Um, that's an interesting uh, side note. Uh, uh, the, the whole high Sparrow and the Sparrows coming in after Tywin's. And it shows It shows right there that Tywin's death already has ramifications. Yep. The King's Landing has already changed just simply because of his death. Absolutely. And then just speaking about people gaining or losing power or seeing someone pass by. <laughs> we what got a segue. See, yeah. Longbow. I Clock mean, that string. I mean, <laughs> I was trying. Um, Sansa, as they're in their carriage, who do they pass by? Brienne and Podrick. Now, these guys have been trekking all over the lands to try and find a Stark, one of the Stark girls. And Brienne, looking for Sansa, founds Aya. And then, uh, you know, was like, I'm here to protect you. Yep. What does Aya do? runs away goes no thanks i think brianna is feeling really rejected this was all she had to live for yep and she's like here we are i'm here to fulfill my duty and this young girl goes no i'm good you know and she's like well what use am i i'm not a knight yeah i don't have a house you know i don't have any respect from anyone jamie left me renly's dead i've got nothing else to do here um and so basically podrick's like following her all the way through and she's like, no, get away from me. Go. I don't want you. I don't want you to follow me. I'm no one special. I've got nothing, you know, to offer you. And as they're having this conversation, a horse and carriage is pulling past. And the whole thing. Oh, Ken's back. I'm back. We're back. Hey, we're, we're back. back. <laughs> Ooh, that was fun. We just, you know, had a little mead break. <laughs> you know what it's like. We have to drink when we can. No kidding, technical difficulties, but we're back into it. So basically we were just saying that at the point where Brienne was trying to get rid of Pod and that was all going down, she's like, I don't even want to hear about Sansa. Don't even mention her name to me, you little twat. Um, Sansa is <laughs> not even a league away yeah. in the uh, horse and carriage with Peter Baelish. And I think that's like one of those, ooh. Yeah. So close. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I think those are things too where um, – Last season, there were characters who intersected that didn't in the books. And these are the moments, again, where you're like, hmm, I'm wondering where George R.R. has said, okay, these are characters that can actually have a conversation and it doesn't change everything. These are ones that I just want the viewers to be like, but you're so... No, okay. And we all did that. In fairness, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what all of us did. I even circled it. So close. And I wrote it on my notes, too. So close. <laughs> that is like the so close effect that's had on everyone. Yep. Um, so let's move on. We've got uh, Sir Loras. He's in bed with a dude. There's a lot of uh, nudie Rudy, as I put in my notes. Not a surprise. I mean, was, can we just commend the choreography of the leg placement when they're getting it on, and it's like nothing seen, but it's very well done. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was kind of at this point, none of it is a surprise. Any of the sexual content that you get in Game of Thrones to me, it was like, yeah, we know he's gay. He's mm. having a little fun with his his man, and his sister just walks right in. Is like I dated a guy that looked like Oliver, <laughs> a guy in bed with uh, Sir Loras, yeah. and I was like, oh, this is weird for me. <laughs> I also thought it was interesting just seeing how he played that situation because the sister walks in, she's like, "You're holding up everything." He's supposed to be going to meet with the king, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hold on, I'm still gonna kiss him," and then I'll slowly leave the room, which she also totally peeped his junk. As he got up. <laughs> yeah. But it was interesting. But it was just interesting the fact that this guy doesn't care either. That so Loris even said it. I don't care if everyone knows because Marjorie is like, can you please be discreet? And yeah. he's like, why? Everyone knows. Yeah. Everybody knows everything about everyone. Yeah. You know, and it's true. There's so much gossip. It's all rife. And he's just like, 
whatever. I don't even care anymore that I have to hide who I really am. Yeah. And then he was like, why do you even care about what um, Cersei has to think since, you know, I don't have to marry her anymore now that Lord Tywin isn't forcing that together. Yeah. And she's just like, you know, you got you to play, play the game here. And he's or like, she say perhaps. She, what happened was, Sir Loras was saying, if I don't marry Cersei, she stays in King's Landing and she's definitely going to be your mother-in-law and she's going to stay there. To which she, she says... Perhaps, perhaps. So she's planning to get rid of Cersei already, hence seeing the prophecy with Maggie the Frog. Well, and I also just really liked the fact that as Loras is talking, um, he just says, and with his boyfriend or the his man friend, uh-huh. mm-hmm. that he's like, we should go to Dorne. We would have so much fun there. Yeah, because we know what it's like there, where you have Oberon and his lady coming in. The capital of sexcapades. Exactly, and that they are so much more open to everything. Like you said earlier, women ruling or having open relationships, whatever it is. We saw Oberon have with his peasant-born, you know, mistress, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think it's. I'm excited because as more conversations start happening. We talked about Cersei and her daughter being in um, Dorne as well, and then this interaction happens. So we're leading more and more towards Dorne, which if you haven't, there's an Entertainment Weekly magazine that came out, and it's all leading up to Game of Thrones, all about where they're shooting. Dorne is shot in Spain, um, and that was the first time they shot in Spain for this show. So I'm just really excited to see what they're going to do there and what happens there. It's going to be awesome. Ken. Yeah. Uh, the next part is uh, basically Varys laying down his plans to Tyrion where they are in, um, what is that? I wrote it down. When they are in Pentos. In mm-hmm. Pentos, yeah. Saying, do you, uh, my favourite quote pretty much of the entire episode, saying, you know, what man is capable of sitting on that throne? You know, they must be compassionate. They must be this. They have to be able to rule better than all these other people vying for the crown. Yep. You know, who is this man? And uh, my favorite line is what uh, Varys says. Varys says back, "Who says anything about him?" Going, "Hello, a woman Dang. is going to take the throne, um, and all Varys wants is a land where the powerful do not prey on the powerless, which is all the Lannisters are capable of doing." So he wants Tyrion to wipe the vomit from his mouth, sober up, possibly <laughs> enough to meet Daenerys in. Mason, Marine, sorry. Marine. And I love it because uh, Tyrion's line is, can I st- can I get drunk on the way to Marine meeting to meet Danny? Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to pick one or the other. I'm just going to say, can I do both? Because I'm going to totally get drunk on the way there. We'll see what happens. To the point of almost dying. Uh, but what do you think about this, this newfound power play where Tyrion could potentially be Daenerys' right-hand man? Man. Well, again, again, it speaks to what Varys always recognized in Tyrion, and and Varys's plan is is a very long hatched plan. Some would argue it's gone back to the very end of Robert's rebellion and the death of children. So Varys has had this plan in place. So it says a lot that he's either recruited or always had Tyrion in mind. Yeah. And I think um, the fact that they're going to go, you know, you don't, they're going to probably take the Demon's Road uh, over to Marine. You don't know who you're going to meet. meet grifters or something out there oh like maybe uh, a banished sir jorah mamont who's been sent packing who ken i know has a love for as well well i am sir jorah <laughs> and um uh, I, I know for a fact yeah we've seen him in the trailers but jorah's jorah's story from here on out is sad and tragic um i'm curious to see how they play it on the show it's obviously going to be shorter which i get 
Um, but yeah, Jorah, Tyrion, Varys, I think they're all going to team up and they're going to go talk to Danny and maybe talk some sense into her because um, she's she's flailing a bit. Uh, she can't she, control she, the dragons. Yeah, she's, she's has, lost control of her little pets. She's listening to her boyfriend more than anyone else. Has taken subjects. a scoundrel into her bed. Oh, I like nice men. Um, <laughs> uh, but, you know, her subjects and the people that she's kind of controlling, she's like, no, no. And he's like, please, you have to listen to me. This might not sound like the best idea, but it's, you know, starting the fighting pits. This is what we need right now. And she's like, yeah. how many times do I have to say no until you actually listen to Well, me and answer? that's also where going back to, you know, talking about Jon Snow and being able to talk politics and get mm-hmm. people to do the things that he needs to do or wants them to do. In her situation, she's like, I'm not a politician, I'm a queen. She doesn't care. She does not care. She needs a Tyrion. Yeah, she needs someone to come in and say, okay, yes, I see that you... She has a good thought on things. She doesn't want people to have... She says, human cockfights. I don't agree with that. So you're like, okay, yes, that's a good perspective. But at the same time, there is something to be said where it's like, you came into this city, took over, and need to show the people that you respect how they lived before. Yeah. Doesn't mean you need to reinstate slavery, but you gotta give a little. And it's Dario who put it so perfectly when he was stuck naked. Uh, Dario's butt. Hashtag. You, there was a lot of man oh. butt, or as they're saying in the chat Hell room, yeah. hashtag dude butt today. You, hashtag dude butt. All the dude butt. The, the dude butts came out on the ahead today in this episode. Dude butt is a lot better than the dude backs. Just saying. Oh yeah, we're all Star Wars fans. <laughs> hey, um, right. But uh, he said to her in bed naked um i'm the only one that will tell you how it is and tell you like it is you know everyone else is telling you what you want to hear i'm the only one that will tell you the stuff that you don't want to hear and you know what yeah i was a slave and you get dario backstory you know his mother sold him to the slaver that she'd just slept with um and he was put to to work in these fight pits where he became one of the best fighters in the lands and ten thousand people were cheering his name and he has this you know really fond memory of the time. And he goes, look, if I was in the pits as a slaver, like as a slave, sorry, and I want them back, then get over whatever it is you've got happening and listen to what needs to be done. And it's also seeing that that's what made him the man that he is. He wouldn't be able to protect her. We don't know what kind of man he is because he didn't turn around when he was naked, but one can hope. (laughs) Um, We did get a really good tweet in, though, from Leo who says... Um, Danny banished Dora for spying for Varys. Why d- would Danny trust Varys when he shows up? That is an interesting question because That's a great question, Leo. That's a great question. I I didn't even really think about that. Where I was like, she did. She sent Dora away because of the fact that he was spying. And Varys has clearly Varys. no I- Varys has no idea of what's going on. And he's like, Yep, we're just gonna go see her. Everything's gonna go over well. It's gonna be hunky dory. So do you think that? There has been more interaction between the two of them? Or well, is Varys this going to be a surprise visit? Varys was spying, um, getting Jorah to spy on behalf of Robert Baratheon because Robert made it really clear that he was going to kill um, Daenerys. That was his number one goal. I don't care what it takes. I don't care if they're children. I don't care if they're babies. Mm-hmm. You will kill the Targaryen brother and sister. And that's what Jorah was in control of because he was answering to Robert Baratheon. But was he? I think that, yeah, Robert definitely wanted it. And Jorah. But was... But Jorah ended up siding with Varys, not 
not Baratheon. But that was when he changed his tune. Yeah, but I, I also believe Varys was just had it twofold. He Jorah was spying for Varys and Robert. Uh, it's the same information going to the same source, but Varys obviously needed to uh, keep tabs on things. Though Illyrio uh, came over from uh, Penthos a couple times to update him, but uh, twofold plan from Varys there. So, I, I mean, it'll be interesting to see how that interac interaction goes down because we don't know. There's potential that there's another spy already in there or someone who is working on behalf that has shared the fact that, you know, this guy is coming and maybe she doesn't know who he is. Or maybe it has something to do with the fact that why he needs Tyrion with him. We hey, don't know. Apparently there was an earthquake. Uh, yeah. Well, I saw... had a 3.5 earthquake out there. You also had a 3.0 earlier in the day, so batten wow. down the hatch. I think maybe that's why our intern... Maybe that's why the show went down. Technical difficulties oh, slash no earthquake. Why? That could have been why. That's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah, wow. All righty. Uh, back in um, Marine, we know, A, that Dario looks fantastic naked. But what I else still we know? don't like him. But what he also says is you are the queen and anyone can rule, but the reason why you are great is because you are your dragons. Yeah. Because you can't do this on your own. You are only special if you have yeah. them. He says you're not a queen if you uh, don't have the dragons. Exactly. And two of them are locked up and one of them has gone. And, you know, Daenerys is like... You're right. I, I don't know how to control these guys. I don't know what to do. So she goes down in the crypts and she goes to visit. Uh, I don't know what she thought was going to happen. Viserion and Rhaegar. Doesn't go down well. Well, I, like She's like, cool. Hey, I've left you in here. I don't know where your brother is. Um, Can we don't know out? if anybody's been feeding you. <laughs> hey, and the tone of her voice was so cute because she walked in and it was like, you know, if you've accidentally walked into someone's apartment and you're like, Ken? Viserion? Are you here? Like... <laughs> Are there dragons I chained up and left? Yeah. I love you. And then they go batshit. They are pissed yeah. off. They don't kill her, though. They which they easily her. could have. Yeah. Ken, what's your take on this whole scene? Um, yeah, it, it was... The last season, that was really sad when she had to lock those up. I mean, that really... We've, we're all own pets at some point, and you got to put one up, and, and it takes a long time out. Well, the and breaker of chains chained up her yep, yeah. children. Yeah. Uh, and for this time, it was—it's still kind of heartbreaking. As much as Danny frustrates me as a character, because I want so much for her, um, and I, I kid you about Dario, but I think he's got some good advice for her. And I did like this scene; uh, it kind of shows his character that—that that he's got some perspectives and common sense. Uh, he knows how to rule uh, a little bit, because uh, or knows how she should rule, I should say. Yeah. And I, I think she—it also showed for the first time that she was really ready to listen to someone who was giving her that advice. Yep. She didn't seem to want to pay attention to Barristan and Jorah. She almost uh, got sick of those two. With the yeah. dimples and, and the dude butt. He, she'll listen to him. Oof. There were two, actually, above, like, just next to the base oh my of the spine. I just, I, again, every time he's in the scene, he's I'm married. like... I, I don't, uh, I'm not in, it's not that for me. Every time oh, I see sorry. him, I'm like... You are a present time person. I don't know it, for whatever reason he takes me out. You of You are it. a Bondi hipster. He take exactly. Yeah. You are on Nashville. I, I, I slash also on Orphan Black. I, I agree with you, Tiffany. Uh, he's he's a good actor. He's doing a yeah. great job. Yeah, he's a good looking man. But he looks. He doesn't. And it's not even comparing him to the other actor or to what Dario's supposed to look like based on the books, which is a big purple beard and all that yeah. kind of stuff. He just Golden looks like blue. every other night in Westeros to me, and I don't want that from him. Well, it's also just something where it's like, you know, I, I remember talking about this on Spartacus. There was an actress that played one character. She got replaced. The second character, who I love her. I love, it's Cynthia Adai. 
um, who is now on Arrow, but she looks very contemporary. And it's like, it just takes you out for a moment when you see someone that you're like, well, you're not like a fantasy period-y actor to me. Yeah, yeah. But he yeah. is doing a great job. He's a good actor, but I just, I don't know what it is. I'm that hoping that I can get rid of that. Oh, hashtag Maybe it's that butt, butt, though, that takes me out of it. Yeah, Maybe it's enough. that dude butt. Um, so the fact that Daenerys uh, saw her babies, who are double in size Massive. than when she left them in there, they are huge now. They're like, Mama, F you, F you, lots and lots of flame and fire to the point where she's got to get out of there. I, if it was me, <laughs> Mother of Dragons, more more Daenerys, I'd be like, hey, come down, come out, let's talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> but she didn't. She bailed. She's like, well, whoa, And it's out. also, it's, it's interesting because... Yes, we know the other dragon, she couldn't find him. But now they're saying it's been weeks. He could have flown around the world. We don't know what's going on. And the fact that she was so open with him about it, that was interesting to me. Because I'm like, she's not open in that way with very many, if anyone else. Yeah. Um, And being able to talk about her dragons and expose that side where it's like, yes, they're locked up, but... Everyone else pretty much assumes that she's still in complete control of them. And she's like, I can't control them anymore. And that's the thing. If the mother of dragons can't control her own children. Who can? Mm-hmm. This is the problem that we are facing. And she needs those dragons. I think she should put a little bit more time and effort into, you know, weaning them back into her good side. Because, yeah, that is going to just change everything if she don't have no dragons. And then, of course, it comes to the end of the show. Mance, Raider will not kneel. To the point where he's trapped onto a wooden pyre and Misandre, um, Melisandre sorry, delivers some powerful words about everyone having a choice. It doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, a lord or a peasant, Good a man or, evil, or a woman. light or dark. You have a choice on who you kneel to and uh, who you worship. And so they uh, lit him up to, for the Lord of Light. And the creepy thing is, can we talk about how Stannis' wife was smiling the whole time? <laughs> yes. She's, yeah, Creep. she's just really weird. Yeah. A little nutty. I don't know what's going on there. She ain't and all there. It, w- it, was, it was very telling seeing all of the different, different responses as that was happening. Yeah. Because you see her smiling. Her daughter actually closes her eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the, what the wildling um, with the red beard? Flame on. Foreman. Foreman Giants Bane. He looks pained as it's happening. Uh-huh. There's a moment where it's like before he actually starts burning that he looks and you feel like he's like, I told you could have gotten yourself out of this. I'm the smart one here. And then when it actually goes down, I think there was some regret there. Stannis looks like nothing's bothering him yeah. ever because this is needing to happen. And Jon Snow can't take it to the point where he removes himself there. He goes up some stairs. He grabs his bow and arrow and fires a true arrow right into Mance's heart to stop the suffering, and he did it out of mercy. We have already got a question in from Leo who asks, what will the repercussions be now that John has done this? Ken. Uh, I I don't think they will. Uh, I don't think there will be any repercussions. I think uh, mm. uh, Stannis might be a little pissed, but I, I don't think anything will happen from that. Um, and, and also, number one, I don't think Mance is dead, so... Uh, there you go. Um, really? And it also was a great character moment for John. He's John Snow. Burnt. Yes, he died before he was able to be completely engulfed in flames, alive. But he's like that fire was raving. Like, how is it ravaging? I should say, and the fire's raving. Raging. Do, 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 we have a fire. <laughs> um, but what? How is he going to survive that? Huh? 
Um, I don't know. I don't know how, how he's going to survive that now. Uh, I know how um, I would have wanted uh, him to survive it, uh, is all I can say. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think Mance is dead. That's all I'll say. Well, and I think there's – you ask about what the repercussions are going to be, and it's like Stannis already wanted John to be in the position where it's he's on his side, but you can also – rule over the wildlings you can talk to the men on the wall because they there's a lot of them mm-hmm. that respect you so i think for him it was he still got the end of what he wanted he wanted mance to die yes john went and did it but now john's also still got the respect of the wildlings because they're like look he wanted to die honorably and mance even said this he's like i just don't want them to remember me screaming in pain mm. and so the moment that it started that any noise started coming out that was when john Shot the air. Yeah, to keep his dignity. How did he not die, though, Ken? Because, like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, he, yes, he used to uh, be the captain of the Night's Watch, mm-hmm. wasn't he? He was the command, the Lord well, Commander there. Well, he explains there. when he said, I used, this, I used to be here. I have a lot of good memories here. Something. So is that uh, a key point where if he used to rule there and then he died there that something happens? Or, I mean, if he's burnt alive, that means the wildlings can't take him, so he's not going to be reborn with blue eyes. Or... There are some body snatchers. There are some wargs in the wildlings. Do you think that he whoo, teleported into a hawk? Because there's an arrow in his goddamn heart. <laughs> we'll talk off air. How about that? Oh man, does that mean you know something? I'm just. I know there's. There's. I. I'm watching the chat rooms. I've decided to not discuss, discuss this on air. How okay. about that? All right. Hey, what else is going <laughs> okay. on in the chat room? Uh, well, a lot of people are asking what you're asking, uh, that, um, uh, you know, how, how could he still be alive? Uh, uh, look, the producers can do weird things with the show. and uh, <laughs> There's magic. But um, I, I guess the only magic. thing I'll say to you guys is, are you sure that was Mance? What? What do you mean, Ken? I'm asking you, are you sure that was Mance you saw? I just feel like there was another earthquake in my heart. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what life is anymore. I don't know. But, hey, you know, it was a great scene. You got Tormund Giantsbane. You got Rattle Shirt. You have Rattle Shirt right next to Tormund Giantsbane watching. It was a hard scene to watch those wildlings. Yeah. Um, is this another and, hint? And, and, and that actor, uh, Kieran Hines, who, who did Mance Raider, every scene of his I could watch again. Oh, my gosh. And, and, and yeah. again, he yeah. does such a good job. There's such humanity to that character of Mance. And so noble. Yeah. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, he gave uh, heart and life to wildlings, which we'd been hearing for season after season mm-hmm. how bad and horrible they are. You know, they don't deserve life or existence. And here's a man who's not only rescued them, but he's given them a purpose. Hey, let's talk about the fact that the credits were rolling. This tune sounds a little bit different. But then it was next week on Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. We saw Aya enter the house of black, black and, and white. white. The, that's kind of going to be interesting because she's now oh. in... Uh, a completely different place. She's all alone. She's got to learn to survive there. And she's turning to a religion that she's never, ever really known before. I mean, it's one of those things where it's like, if you learned anything about this character, she's going to be just fine on her own. She makes a way. She finds someone to connect with. She's just fine. And we also know that Dawn is going to start playing a very, Mm -hmm. very pivotal role in this story. Uh, Nolaria chopped that hair off. Yeah, she did too, didn't she? Yeah. Got a brand new look. Uh, and then we saw an older man. He's going to be a key character in what's going on within. 
Don't worry, don't worry, Martel. That is uh, the prince who was supposed to come down for the wedding last season, but, but didn't. didn't. And set Oberon instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, Oberon's got three sisters. They are kind of annoyed that he's dead, and they kind of feel that they need to his avenge sister, I him. I wanted to think they were his daughters. Are they his daughters? I'm pretty sure they're his daughters. What's that? The Sand Snakes are yeah. his nine daughters. Yeah. No, daughters. Yeah, his daughters. God, he looks good. <laughs> I mean, he looked good. Because now his face is like... Yeah. Now he doesn't look so good anymore. Laurie is mother of four of them, I believe. Yeah. Ah, okay, okay, okay. I'm just excited to see them because if you were following anything on the internet as we're leading up to this season, you got to see the three of them with their specific weapons that they yes. use, the looks that they have. Um, and again, in the Entertainment Weekly article I was reading, they were just saying that this is the first time you're going to see women who are... Vicious, Ferocious, who yeah. are out for vengeance, but also work together. We haven't really seen any characters on this show where the women come together and are all having one goal. It's always been one person where it's like, let's, okay, Cersei's doing this. Back. We've got Catelyn Stark, who tried to protect everyone so much that it got everyone killed. Yep. You've got Brienne, who's so busy being on her own. Yep. That she's isolating even the one guy who's trying to help her out, Podrick. Arya and Sansa are separated. Arya and Sansa, they're completely on their own. And then you've got Cersei and Marjorie. <laughs> One's going to be the end of the other one. Yeah. And they're trying so hard to play one up on each other that they're pushing each other so far apart. And, they, and no one shares their goals where it's like Elena was there and she was helping out Marjorie, but there was no conversation yeah. really of... Hey, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> this is the ultimate goal. It's everyone's working on their own thing, but now we're going to see these three daughters come in with a united goal, with conversation going on between them. I think they're going to wreck some wreck some stuff. And I have a feeling also that they've got their father's passion yep. and bloodlust and, you know, demanding of, of, of vengeance, which Oberon has had most of his life, yeah. you know, which ended up costing him his own life. Yeah, that, exactly. That vengeance wasn't a good thing in the end, huh? No. I mean, hopefully they aren't as arrogant as he is <laughs> or as just like not fl- just like flagrant with his revenge when he got in there where you're like, don't don't overestimate where you're at. You had it. Yeah. You had him. Yep. And then obviously the story of um, the mountains, another one altogether. So I'm excited to see where that's going. Also, because um, things are happening in the book, and I'm wondering if the storyline's going to take it as well, because obviously they want vengeance. Mm-hmm. He's going to play a, a big part in that. We don't know if he's um, dying because he was struck by a poisoned blade. So, yeah, big question mark there, too. Um, so, first episode done. Yeah. What do you guys think for each of you was the most poignant or strongest moment for this episode, for the premiere for you? I wrote down a couple of the quotes and I think one of my favourite one is, who says anything about him from Varys? Yeah. I think that was one of my favourite lines. I love Varys so much. He's given up everything because he really does believe in the direction that he's going. So I'm kind of, yeah, that's probably for me, that was my favourite part. Okay. What about you, Ken? Um, I, I love that stuff with Varys and Tyrion. It, it makes me very excited just as a fan watching those two actors work together. Like mm-hmm. I said, uh, storyline-wise, that is also to me the key um, uh, of the goal. The, these um, these first uh, this ep- these first episodes always set the goals for the season, and and that to me is the most powerful goal: is them going to get a Targaryen to bring back to the throne. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I like the stuff with the, with the, the wall. I love everything in that storyline. I love Mance, love Jon Snow, whether or not I he's dead or not. I love Stannis Baratheon. He's mm-hmm. so great. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> yes. That's and how Ken does talk about him. Yeah. <laughs> again, doing what is right, going to trying to gather up an army to go take uh, Winterfell back from the dastardly Boltons. Mm. Lot set up in this episode. I, I think they did a pretty good job. Of, of setting up what our season's going to be. Yeah. What about you? Uh, um, my favorite moment was with Mance and Jon Snow in the where he was in, um, in prison, where he was just saying, you know, I captured you and now mm-hmm. I'm the one who's captive. And then they just talk about their position. And, the like, I think it really just shows what kind of leader Jon could really be. Um, and Jon learned so much from being around Mance. So that, for me, was, I think, one of the strongest acted scenes and one of the most telling as to where these characters are going to end up. I can't wait to see if Stannis Baratheon really does stick true to his word and mounts Roose Bolton's head on a spike. That would make me so happy. Yeah, <laughs> well, on top of that. Then? You come over to Team Stannis' house? Then? I like that goal. I like that direction of his. Well, and oh. do we actually think he will do what he said he will do for the wildlings? Give them land, let them stay on the side of the wall? I don't know. I don't really trust him. I don't, I don't trust think him. he thinks many of them are going to survive if he's doing what he's doing. Yeah. Well, that could be the ultimate goal, really. But it's still funny. We didn't see any White Walkers. We didn't hear any news of them. Mm-hmm. They are not in the picture remotely. Um, I think Jon Snow knows that they're yeah, a threat Well, the still. only time they talked about it was when he was talking with Mance. Yeah. Where he said, you know, that these, I mean, the title of the episode, The Wars to Come. Yeah. Where he's talking about the fact that what's coming. Mance even says it. He's like, good luck with the wars to come, bro. Yeah. <laughs> like, Sawyer. Yeah. I'm glad you're burning my body. Yep. Because I don't want to be no white walker. Yep. Uh, but it's true. He was saying, you know, well, John was saying, so what? You die now. Everyone sings your praises, but their praises aren't going to be sung for very long because the white walkers yep. are going to take us all out because you can't figure out that this needs to happen to protect everyone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There you go. <sighs> it was a good episode. What'd you give it out of 10? Um... For a premiere episode for me, I think it would probably be about, oh God, like a seven out of ten. Yeah, I feel about that. Maybe seven and a half for me. I liked yeah, it. I'm going seven. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I it definitely gets me excited about what's coming. And it definitely gets Winter? me excited. Winter is coming. <laughs> it gets me excited for more of our chats. Yeah, about the episodes. As we well. will be doing this every single week, guys. Thank you so much for joining in. Let us know was this a better setup over the old Google Hangout? We are going to be starting bonus video extras on Tiffany's YouTube channel. This is like kind of like our personal preferences. So what we particularly like within Game of Thrones, we'll get you involved in that as yep. well because you are as big a fans as we are, and we are talking about this together if you have twitter make sure you follow all of us at ken knapsack at maud garrett at tiffany's tweets make sure you tweet in any of your questions during the week we will collate them we will get mm-hmm. them all together and answer them use that hashtag the night is dark because that is the name of this particular podcast make sure you subscribe to ken's audio only version if you do want to have a listen to this ken where can people find yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. Go to uh, iTunes and look for the Knapsack file. Subscribe. Uh, there's several shows on there. This is one of them. Uh, you can also listen to my shows about Star Wars and also Alicia Malone's, Malone's yeah. Film School. And the Knapsack files, the regular interviews. Uh, it's also available on Stitcher and Podomatic. Just go to my Facebook page, uh, Ken Knapsack, or Twitter, and uh, get all that. Follow me and get all the information. 
And we want to make this the best show that it can possibly be. And to do that, we would love your feedback. If you've got any ideas, any questions, any queries, any suggestions, hit us up. We are all available on Twitter. Nothing that you can say will offend us. We have thick skin. <laughs> the night is dark and full of terrors. And we've lived through those terrors time and time again. So, on the interwebs. <laughs> yes, it is. That is the place that is always dark and full of terrors, that's for sure. But thank you so much for joining us again yeah. for episode two of The Night is Dark. Please do subscribe if you want to watch this show again. It will be uploaded to youtube.com forward slash geek bombshells my name is Maud Garrett that there be Tiffany Ken <laughs> I won't be in Vegas next time you will not be in Vegas yeah. no nope. be here so thank you so much for tuning in guys spread the word tell your friends that love the anything to do with Game of Thrones because we are family here the night is dark this is our episode two thank you so much for watching and don't be full of terrors <laughs> Lord of the light thanks you stop